Good morning, Mathematical Literacy Learners. The last time I was with you, we were busy with data handling. So the last uh, lesson that we had was about the quartiles. So today I just want to teach you on how to represent the quartiles, represent and interpret quartiles on the graph. Let us just quickly go back to uh, the quartiles. Remember, each time when you are given the data, it should be arranged from smallest to greatest. First, arrange your data set in order from smallest to the biggest. I've got the data here, which should be arranged. It's 5, 2, 16, 9, 13, 7, 10. Now let's arrange in ascending order. It's 2, 5, 7, 9, 10, 13, and 16. From there, make it a point that you count the number of the, your numbers there as to whether they are equivalent to the mixed ones. We've got 2, 5, 7, 9, 10, 13, and 16. I just want you to interpret a box and whisker diagram, which is a convenient way to represent what we call the five number summary of the data set. A box and whisker diagram. The five number summary it should be as follows. You should arrange your data in ascending order. From there, take out the quartiles. Remember the last time I said when you are to arrange the quartiles, you start with the Q2, which is quartile two. Your quartile two is the median. Quartile two is the median. Take the arranged data, the one that I've given you earlier on. So let us take the Q2. Our Q2 in this case is 9. Now let's go to the lower quartile, which is Q1. The lower quartile, remember, should be half of the Q2. So you're going to consider the first part of your numbers. So our quartile 2, uh, uh, excuse me, your quartile 1 is Five. Q1, according to this one, is 5. Our Q2 is 9. What about Q3? The Q3, which is the right-hand side of your Q2, is 13. Now, because we are to plot the, uh, the box and whiskers, we are to interpret, not to plot. You must first identify the Q1, Q2, Q3. And from there, after identifying, you check on your lowest value in a set. The lowest value, which is the minimum. The minimum in the set is 2. And what about the maximum? The maximum is 16, the max. So in this case, you are identifying the five number summary. The five number summary of a set is the minimum value, the lower quartile, which is Q1, the median, which is Q2, the third quartile or quartile 3, and the highest value, which is the maxima. Now, on a box of whiskers, the box of whiskers is always given in the examination. And you are to use the box of whiskers to calculate maybe the IQR, or to identify the minimum or maximum value. Now, for us to identify all the five number summary on the box and whiskers, 
we should check on the given box the box and whiskers is as follows i've got a nice example here whereby i've got a number line from zero to 18. Now, because you have identified the five number summary, you are, uh, it is plotted actually. It's plotted on the box and whiskers. So we've got two, five, nine, 13, and 16. And the minimum and the maximum should be left outside. They are forming part of the whiskers. And what about the middle part? The middle part should be boxed. We've got three, the quartiles, Q1, Q2, Q3, which should be boxed. And once it's boxed, we've got only three, Q1, Q2, Q3. This is going to enable you to calculate the IQR. It's easier that way. The whiskers, I'm going to repeat, the whiskers are from two, to five the box in the middle and the other whisker is to the maximum is from 13 to 16. let us say you are requested to calculate the iqr you are to calculate the iqr using the box and whiskers presented on the box and whiskers for you to calculate the IQR, which is the interquartile range, the range of the quartiles, it means it's Q3 minus Q1. Then you go to your box and whiskers, you check the value for Q3. Q3 is 13 and Q1 is 5. 13 minus 5, then you get your answer. It means that is your Q, that is your IQR. Other than that, there are various ways in which to present data. Data can be presented in many ways by using the bar graphs, the compound graphs, a variety of graphs. But now we need to explain each and every graph so that when you come across it, it's easier for you to interpret. Let us start with the bar graph. The bar graphs usually represent discrete data. The bar lengths are proportional to the frequency they represent. Remember, when you are to plot the graph, you'll be given the data. The bars can be drawn vertically or horizontally. Very, very important. It means when we do have the bar graph, it might be vertical or horizontal. When you plot the bar graph, there are gaps between the horizontal or vertical bars. Remember, you'll be using bars because each category is independent from each other category. Don't forget that the bar graphs, they are spaces in between. There are gaps between the horizontal and vertical uh, bars. I've got an example here where we are to plot the horizontal bar graph. Remember when you plot the graph, you've got the x-axis, which is whereby the x is the independent variable and the y is the dependent variable. In this case, because we are requested to plot the horizontal bar graph, it means is the other way around. Let us quickly check on the given example here. The energy in kilojoules used in half an hour for various activities is listed in the given table. 
we've got the activities here jogging or oh, the activities and the number of kilojoules we've got a table whereby we've got activity and the other block is number of kilojoules let us check on the activities given jogging kilojoules thousand dancing 600 swimming 800 watching tv 200 slow walking 400 now let us plot the vertical bar graph don't forget that there must be gaps between the bars between this horizontal bars on your x-axis you must indicate the kilojoules and on your y-axis which is the left hand side you write the activities the activities are given is jogging dancing swimming watching tv and slow walking let us quickly check on the kilojoules on the kilojoules all right you are going to use 200 you start with the zero remember at the corner 200 400 six eight thousand now let's start with jogging you are to plot the bar representing jogging jogging how many kilojoules then you go to a thousand you draw a bar you draw a bar to indicate that jogging is thousand kilojoules dancing 600 you do likewise but don't forget that there must be a gap there must be a gap because this is a bar graph and swimming 800 you do likewise watching tv 200 you draw a bar in line with the 200 slow walking 400 you draw the bar don't forget to write the variables it's so important for one to check on the variables when you draw the graph sometimes you are to take the very same graph to write it vertically when you write vertically the activities should be on the x-axis and the kilojoules on the y-axis is so important and you draw the bars with the gaps in between because this is a representation of the bar graphs how to represent the compound bar graph we're busy with the bar graph now we are going to check on the compound bar graph the compound bar graphs display the data of two or more bar graphs on one set of axes. They are used to compare two sets of data on the same set of axes. For example, the number of female and male students studying different courses at university can be displayed on one compound bar graph one set of bars represent at represented by a certain color can represent a female student and another set of bars in a different color can represent their male students because this is a compound graph you can use variety of colors in a way the number of students in different courses can be compared as well as different genders in each course before you plot the compound graph make it a point that you've got a key 
The key this is whereby you'll be indicating the colors that you're going to use here. If you're not using colors, you can use a smaller box, which is blank, the other one dotted, the other one with stripes, and so on and so on. But there must be a key whereby you indicate because you are comparing two. I've got an example of a how to plot the compound graph here. The percentage of total amount of money spent on research and development in South Africa is recorded here. I've got research development filled for two years, meaning my compound graph will be based on comparison of these two years. Years are 2001 compared to 2003. Let us just quickly check on three research developmental fields. One, agricultural science. Agricultural science. 2001, the percentage, 9 9.3. 9 9.3. 2003, percentage, 7.4. 2, applied sciences and technology. Applied sciences and technology, 2001, 15.2. 2003, 10.1%. And the other one, the third one, medical and health sciences. Medical and health sciences. Medical and health sciences, 2001, 10,2. 2003, 13.5. I've given you just three. Now, we must represent this information in a compound graph. How are we going to do this? Remember your variables, percentage of money spent on different fields, which should be on your X and on your Y, the percentage of total re research expenditure. You take the first one, agriculture, uh, agriculture science. Agriculture science is 9,3. Remember, the variables you have indicated the percentage here agricultural science which is the first the second one is applied uh, sciences the third one is medical and on your y-axis percentages you've got five up to 25 5 10 15 20 25. so with the agricultural science 2001 the percentage is 9.3 so you are going to draw a bar up to 9.3. Remember on your graph, there are smaller lines which are indicating on what to do. So you draw a bar indicating the 2.1, 2001, and the bar is 9.3, 2003. The bar should be closer. It should stick the other one. It's 7.4 because you, this is a compound graph and you are comparing the two. So it means the bars, the bars should be closer to each other. They should, this other bar should touch the first one 
so that you can see the difference because you are doing comparison. So the next bar is for applied sciences and technology. You do likewise applied science and technology. You check is 15.2. You plot on the 15.2, which is for 2001. 2003, 10,1. You draw the graph. This graph should touch the other one because this is the compound bar graph whereby we are comparing. We are comparing the two. Then you do likewise with the rest of the given developmental fields. That is the compound graph. The compound graph you compare two or more bar graphs on one set of axes. That is very, very important. The other one is the vertical stack graph. Vertical stack graph. The vertical stack graph represents two or more sets of data in each bar. Different colors are used to compare the data within each bar. This allows for comparison and grouping. That is the vertical stack graph. Vertical, it means you are going to draw the bar going up, but because this is a stack graph, the other bar will, need, will be on top of the other. The comparison is on top of each other so that you can identify, and it's easier if you use different colors. I've got an example. Here, a netball club has three teams that play matches in each season. The performance of the different teams from 2009 to 2012 in each season are given in the, in the table. Let us check Team A, 2009. Team A, five points. Team B, 82 points, Team C, 10 points. That is 2009. 2010, Team A, 11 points, Team B, 60 points, Team C, 15 points. Now, we are to represent this data on a stack graph, vertical stack graph. And we should be able to see the team that scored the most points over years. I said this is between uh, 2009 and 2012, but I just took two years because I want us to practice on how to draw the stack graph. We should also be able to see in which year did the first team score the most points. How many points did team so and so score? So important. And this can only be detected on the vertical stack graph, depending on the size of the bar. Now we are going to take the first one, which is 2009. The 2009, we are going to check on the number of points. Let us start with team B. Our graph Remember the variables, the, num uh, the years, which are the seasons, 2009 up to 2012. 
on the x-axis. The y-axis, we indicate the points. And the points are as follows, 0, 20, 40, 60, 80, up to 100. Now, let us plot the first score. The first one is team A with five points. Team A, five points. Now, let us plot the graph. 2009, team A, five. So, you are going to draw the graph on five, a smaller bar, which is equivalent to five points because you've indicated your points on your y-axis. Team B, same year, 82. Now, because this is a vertical stack graph, 82 should be on top of 5. It's going to start on the 5 up to wherever because this is 82. So it means because the first point you had 5, the second one is 82. You are going to plot a bar from 82 up to 87. Why up to 87? Because already you have plotted the five, the first five. The graph, the bar graph should stack on the other one. Then team C, 10 points. From 87, you add 10. If you have used a variety of colors here, three colors, it's easier for you to see that the bigger color is this one. Even on the table, on the table of values, it's indicated that the, the team with the highest points is team B in 2009. So the, basically here, the emphasis is on how to stack this bar graph. The first one is five. Then you are going to take the bar, you draw again from five up to 87 because this team B is 82 C 10 so you're going to move from 87 87 plus 10 which is 97 so it means your first bar will be 97 if you add the points together then you can see that that is 97, which is slightly below the 100, with only one bar because we're dealing with the vertical stack graph. We can do the other one of 2010. 2010, I said team A is 10, 11 points, excuse me, 11 points. Team B, 60 points. Team C, 15 points. Let us start. Remember, you start with the first one, which is team A. Team A is 11 points. So you draw up to 11, the bar. And because this is the graph, the other bar is going to be on top. And there must be a gap. There must be a gap. You are done with 2009. 2010, you leave out a smaller gap. You start with 10. 11 points you've plotted team b 60 points so the bar is going to be on top stack on the 11 so it means your team b 
it's up to 71. But it's not 71 points. It is because you have stacked that second bar on the 11. And then what about team C? It's 15. So when you add together, it's 71 plus 15, which gives you 86. So in this case, it means your second vertical stack graph will be up to 86. Strategically, I can say, if you like to plot the stack graph appropriately, it's best for you to add the points so that it's easier for you to know that I'm moving from A. A is obvious, it's 11. So B is 60. You add the two together, which gives you 71. So it means the second bar will be up to eight, uh, 71. From there, what about the next bar? The next bar is 71. Then you add the 15 points, which is for team C, 86. So this is giving you a clue that your stack, vertical stack graph should be up to 86. Then you do likewise up until you're done. Don't forget that when you plot the vertical st stack graph, there must be gaps in between. Bar graph, gaps in between. Stack graph, vertical stack graph, don't forget that the bars should be on top of each other because you are also comparing. The other graph is the histogram. The histogram. Histogram consists of vertical bar bars with no gaps. Very, very important. The histogram consists of vertical bars with no gaps between the bars. Because histograms usually represent continuous data where each class of category is related to the other class. Grouped data is displayed in histograms where each group is called the class interval. We used a class interval mainly where the, the data is being grouped. Where data is grouped, we display in histogram where each group is called the class interval. Let us quickly take a survey of the survey of top 100 MP3 albums. Survey, this survey was conducted using top 100 MP3 players. The length of the running time in minutes of each MP3 is recorded in the table here. Let us quickly check. Because this is in class intervals, it means the length of the running time is grouped. This is between 30 and 39, 40 and 49, 50 to 59, 60 to 69, 70 to 79, 80 to 89. The length of the running time is given being grouped. Let us check the frequency. We're given a table here. Yeah? There's no way you can draw the a histogram or any other graph without the information. The number of MP3s. 
I can also repeat 32391 4249 variables, the y-axis, the number of mp3s, the x-axis, running time of the top 100 mps. Very, very important for you to check the variables. Make sure that the variables are written all the time. You earn marks for this. Now let us check on the time the x-axis, I said, is the number of MPs. The, I mean, the y-axis. Y-axis, number of MP3s. X-axis, this is the time in minutes. The heading there, the running time of top 100 MPs. That is the, the heading of our graph. Now... Let us plot. The first one, 30 to 39, we've got one. You are going to draw a graph equivalent to one. The second one is four. You are going to draw the bar four. Don't forget, no gaps between. So it means this second graph should touch the first one. The third one, 28, you plot 28, which should also touch the other one because this is the histogram. 43, you plot the 43. 19, you do likewise, you plot the 19. And uh, the last one, 82, 90, which is 5, you plot the 5 because this is a histogram. All bars are closer to each other. They've touched each other and there are no gaps. And in this case, because you have represented this data, it's easier for you to analyze. Hence, the bars are closer to each other. The next example is of a pie chart. A pie chart is a circular frequency diagram using sectors sectors with angles at the center that are proportional to the frequency of the data the bar uh, the pie chart when we check on the pie uh, the pie chart we usually say if it's given in angles it is equals to 360 degrees so meaning the entire circle is equals to 360 degrees. So when you are to do the calculation of pie charts, 
you must use um you must actually calculate the size of an angle considering the value over the total of over the total of the given number on the pie chart multiply by 100 or we can alternatively say the angle of a sector a sector referring to a slice it's equals to the number of items in a group or in a frequency over the total number of items the total of frequencies times 360 degrees the angles of all sectors add up to 360 de degrees so we need to when we draw the pie chart we should follow the uh, the following steps you draw a circle using a compass you calculate the angle of each category or each sector using a protector you draw pie slices using angles using angles which angles the angles calculated in step two let us just quickly check on the following example using the the uh, degrees in a college there are 750 students in year one 1420 students in year two and 630 students in year three year one 750 year two 1420 year three 630 so we are to draw the pie chart showing the numbers of students at each level but before you draw you need to know the total let us first uh, check on the total of students total number of students 750 plus 14 1420 plus 630 let us quickly check 750 plus 1420 plus 630 so it means total number of students here is 2800 now let us check the size of an angle for the first year size of an angle for the first year remember we've got the total of 750 students in year one so it's 750 over which is divided by 2800 which is the total times 360 times 360 it's 750 divided by 2800 multiply by 360 in this case our answer is 
degrees. Make it a point that you multiply by the 360. Why? Because we said if you calculate the size of an angle, you need to check. For you to determine the year two, you do likewise, which is 1,420 over 2,800 times 360. And you do likewise with the third year. Third year is 630 over the total of 2.8. You multiply by 360. And the answers should be expressed in degrees because you have multiplied by 60. Now, let us say you are given the pie chart. Already the pie is given. The pie chart, survey of cars, of number of cars, buses, motorcycles that passes a particular junction. There were 150 buses surveyed. 150 buses surveyed. Now, the, the pie chart is as follows. There is a bigger slice for motorcycles. The slice is 210 degrees. 210. Buses, 30 degrees. Cars, 120 degrees. Remember, the entire circle should always be equals to 360 if you are using degrees. 360. Motorcycles, 210. Buses, 30. Cars, 120. Now, let us say we are to calculate the fraction of motorcycles. The fraction of the motorcycles. Remember, you need to go back to your graph to check the, the number given for motorcycles. And we are to express this in a form of a fraction. So, what is the number for motorcycles? It's 210. 210 over... 360. You have expressed that in a form of a fraction. And we usually say when the fraction is bigger, it should be simplified. When you are to simplify your fraction, you just press on your calculator 210 over 360. You'll definitely get the answer. 7 over 12. 7 over 12. Now, let us check on the percentage percentage of vehicles passing by the junction percentage of the vehicles passing there by the junction we would like to check that the percentage of vehicles passing by the junctions uh, by the junction were cars we want to check the total number of cars in a form of a percentage so it's an angle of a sector over 360 times 100. Why times 100? Because we like to know the percentage of vehicles passing by the junction, by the junction, which were cars. So what is the angle of a sector of cars? It's 120 degrees. So in this case, it will be 120 degrees times, excuse me, 120 
over 360 degrees times 100, which is equals to 33 and a third percent. 33 and a third percent. We have converted the percentage of vehicles passing by the junctions. We've proved that those were cars in a form of percentages. So overall, what I can say is that when you are given the pie chart, make sure that you check as to whether it's given in degrees. If it's given in degrees, it means the entire cycle is equals to 360. So each time when you check on a sector, it should be a sector over, a sector I'm referring to a pie, over 360. And if you are to convert that to percentages, if you are to do your calculation to percentages, calculation of whatever sector given, you check on the sector over 360, you multiply by 100. Why? Because you are calculating to percentages. Sometimes the pie charts are given in percentages. So it means the entire cycle is equals to 100. But in terms of degrees, it's equals to 360. In terms of the percentages, it is equals to three, uh, 200%. The whole cycle is 100%. If you do whatever survey and you find out that the circle is in percentage. Know that the circle is 100%. Say, for instance, you are given a pie. This was a survey of 2005. 2005, a survey was done of 2000. 435 people. They said, the researchers said the uh, people tested uh, positive, HIV positive. Now we are given the pie chart. Total number of people surveyed 2435. 2435. So the pie is as follows. They are four percent male, nine percent female. Remember, the survey was for two thousand four uh, four hundred and thirty-five, and there was a bigger percentage of fifty-one, fifty-one HIV negative males. And what about the females which were negative? We would like to know the total percentage of females who, who tested negative during that year. Because the pie is equals to 100%, all what you need to do here is to take the 100% and subtract the given percentages. So meaning is 100 minus 51 minus 9 minus 4. So the remainder will be equals to the HIV negative females. 100 
because this is given in percentages, you subtract the given percentages. It's easier for one to do that. The other question you might get is, calculate the number of females who tested positive. We're looking for number of females who tested positive. Remember, on the pi, we are given the, on the pi, we are given 4% in a form of a percent. So this is 4%. So it means in this case, you are going to check 4% is the same as 4 over 100, 4 over 100 times total number of people who were surveyed, 2,435. Then you'll get your answer. Don't forget that when we consider the pie chart, it's either is given in percentages or in degrees. The other uh, graph, which is so common, is the line graph. The line graph are used to show the trend in a set of uh, data. Points are plotted and joined with lines. It means when you are to do the, the, the line graph, you must first plot from there. Don't forget to join the lines. Example, at the Johannesburg Stock Exchange, the exchange rate between the, the rent and US dollar fluctuates throughout the day. It fluctuates, it's not stable. We are requested to draw the line to show the exchange rates. Remember, I said when you are to draw the, uh, the, any graph, not a line graph per se, any graph, you must each time check the table of values. In this case, we are given the times here and the exchange rates. Eight o'clock, a dollar was equivalent to 6.98. This survey was done in 2010. Nine o'clock, 6.99. 10 o'clock, 6.79. 11 o'clock, 7, 7 rand, 1 cent. 12, 6.96. 13 hours, 6.79. 14 hours, 7 rands. Now you are going to use the exchange rates to plot the line graph. When you draw, uh, do the line graph, don't forget the variables. Time should always be on the x-axis. And on the y-axis, you write the exchange rates. The exchange rates rent to dollar. Now, 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock, you are going to plot the exchange rate given there. 8 is 6.98, you put a dot. 9, 6.99, put a dot. 10, 6.79, you put a dot again. 11, 7 rand, 1 cent. 12, 6.96. And 13, 6.76, 14, 7. After plotting, you are going to join using a line. That is why we refer to this as line graph. 
because it's easier for you to interpret. We can also see that when drawing this graph, it was at the peak of 11 hours. 11 hours, it was a dollar hours equivalent to seven rand one cent. And therefore, the graph, uh, the, the plot was up. It's easier for people to to interpret the graph. A line graph, again, is also used to, in any way, you can use the, the, the uh, line graph to do any calculation. Most companies are using line graphs in order to see their profits, in order to see their downfall, in order to indicate, again, their break-even analysis. It's easier for companies to use the line graphs. Thank you.